Welcome to episode 55 of the Praying with the Eyes podcast. Alan Briggs, the author of Everyone's a Genius, Unleashing Creativity for the Sake of the World, sits down with me to discuss what he means by genius, how to discover and uncover this genius, as well as releasing our genius into the world. We'll talk about risk and failure as we use our God-given genius beyond the walls of our church buildings. Welcome to the Praying with the Eyes podcast. Your host is Doug Bronner, senior pastor at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado. As an avid photographer, Doug combines the beauty of God's creation with the beauty of His Word in a Praying with the Eyes devotional blog. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. Great to be with you, Doug. Yeah, yeah. There's, I think, there's a number of people who are probably listening to this podcast or or who'll be watching it through our YouTube channel that know you because of, of your books. You've written three books now. Got, yep. another, got Th- another one in the work right now. Three, always, always three, and some uh, some ebooks that I've kind of been playing with uh, that you can eliminate all the fluff and really go at a particular topic. So one on writing, one on launching things. Uh, doing one right now on healthy leadership. So just kind of small, you know, one read through kind of things. Uh, it's really been jazzing me up as a writer. I need to get your one on writing. I'm finding myself doing more. And and, and uh, have you ever read Zinzer's book on writing well? I have. I and, quote that a lot okay. in, in mine. One of the classics for sure. And yeah. I'm not a classically trained writer. I wasn't a literature guy. I wasn't an English guy. Not great at grammar. So I will say I don't read a whole lot on writing. But I found a couple of gems on it. But uh, most Zinzer's people... one of those. Zinzer for me, oh, it's I, great. It's just, I, I, well, the reason why I said it is because the other day I was rereading uh, portions of it, and and I find him to be uh, very inspirational for me in writing and encouraging. But the one thing that that I that he says right up front is writing's not easy. It's hard work. You've had to discipline yourself, haven't you? Yeah, I I talk a lot about creative process um, because by nature, if you're creative, you're probably going to struggle with the administrative side of things. It's very rare to have both. Um, I don't have both. I really have to discipline that other side. So uh, every Tuesday morning, I write from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., the same coffee shop, the same cup of coffee, super boring in that sense, <laughs> so that everything I've sort of collected in the course of the week can kind of blow through me. You know, but I envy time. you for that because I, I today, in fact, was sitting there saying, I have let my schedule dictate me, meaning that it's out of control. You know, and instead of sitting there saying blocking out that time one day a week where it's either writing or it's whatever study, you know, reading for me because I don't have a lot of time to read, um, or I don't make I shouldn't say that I haven't made a lot of time to write or to to read. I do have because of the praying with the eyes website and the and the and blogs that I do write, not as many as I used to. I do have to write some, you know, so I have to discipline myself there. But I I admire you doing that. And, and I tell people, people think if you write, you have to write all the time. And, um, you know, do you go away to a cabin or whatever? I said, no, I have four kids. I can't just sneak away to a cabin. You know, my poor wife. So uh, I tell people as I write for a month a year, but I do it three hours at a time. So three hours a week will get you about a work month a year at writing. And, uh, and I can write a book at that. So what's your next book you're working on? 
working on one with my wife actually oh, that's um, neat. that we're calling terrified so the idea of a, a, a life where terrified meets excited um, what does it feel like to follow the faith journey that God has for us for whatever reason God has asked us to kind of rip off the band-aid uh, in many areas of our lives we don't seem to do change in really small subtle ways for whatever reason God kind of wants us to jump off the high dive so uh, that'll be a really fun one, and I, learning and I, to co-write. And I'm, well, I want to deal with some of that today, because in the end of your book, uh, Everyone's a Genius, uh, you talk about risk-taking and failure. And I think that's very important as we talk about this topic. This is uh, uh, the Praying with the Eyes uh, podcast, uh, as you heard at the beginning. Um, I'm Pastor Doug Bronner, one of, the, one of the pastors at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And you can find out more about Holy Cross by going to our website, holycrosscs.org. That's again. That's holycrosscs.org. Uh, one, there's a lot. God is doing a lot of, I think, really good things through us at Holy Cross. But there's so much more that, that we do, and that's one of the things I loved about uh, reading again one of Alan's books. I've read all three of his books. I'm looking forward to the next one I get to read. Uh, they're they're great. Uh, but it challenges me to say that hey, there's more for us at Holy Cross that God is is challenging us to do, and and uh, you can go to the Praying with the Eyes website, prayingwiththeeyes.com. You'll find their daily devotional blogs that right now are written by six of us, uh, and uh, some of us are going through some pretty tough times. And you, you, they're they're authentic. I think that the 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 people who write them are writing. Uh, I know they are. I don't think I know they're writing out of a, a true heart of God working in the, in them and through them, but they are very human and, and some of the stuff uh, that they're going through is not very easy. So you get that. So they, I, I believe that those daily devotions are short and, and so forth, but they uh, hit us, uh, all of us at some point uh, in our life because they are genuine. Anyway, um, you can subscribe to those by going to the right-hand corner, and there's a little subscribe button up there at the Praying with the Eyes website. If you have questions for me or for Alan, I can get those questions to Alan if you send them to me. You can uh, send us questions or comments at, at uh, questions at prayingwiththeeyes.com. Okay, I want to do that quickly because I want to get to this topic. So we're going to talk about your latest book, and I have it. Here it is right here. Um, so I'll show this to people who are watching this on, uh, on uh, the YouTube. Uh, Everyone's a Genius, Unleashing Creativity for the Sake of the World. Um, I have two copies because Alan was gracious, gracious enough to include me an advanced copy. Did it change much? Uh, tweaks a little bit. I mean, the grammar might read a teeny bit cleaner. Uh, I'm not great with punctuation and, and all that. So you have editors who do that. Absolutely. That's Those are the, unhung, the unsung heroes yes, of yes. writing. Uh, so if you don't have an editor, it's going to get real sloppy. <laughs> it's true. We, we have an editor for the Praying with the Eyes website for that reason. I'm a so, big fan. I love yeah. team. Yeah, it is. Oh, it's, it is team. It's all team. And I love being inspired by the writers myself. So everyone's a genius. Well, I, I, I'm not sure we understand when we hear the word genius that we're all hearing the same thing. Yeah, we have a lot of misconceptions about genius. And actually, a lot of them, I think, have been hijacked in our culture um, in antiquity, Greek and Roman times, they wouldn't say you are a genius. They would say you have a genius, Doug. Mm -hmm. And then you realize that there's this this muse sort of behind the scenes that's dropping creativity bombs on you. And um, they understood clearly that you weren't the source of the brilliance in your life. And I think this idea that we are a genius puts a lot of pressure on us. And the, the ability to fail gets harder and harder as we succeed more and more. Because we think, you know, here's my gifting. But kind of my premise is this, that if we as followers of Jesus can't lead the way in failure, then who can? Because our identity is secure 
whether we succeed or fail, whether we end up in the principal's office or in the honor roll stage. And so in that sense, I think we're well positioned as followers of Jesus to talk about the idea that we have a genius, the creator behind us that actually um, has wired us to create and cultivate. So um, I would love to see the church leading this conversation. We have a lot of Christians um, that are doing um, good art and good work. And I'll talk a little bit more about good work, what I mean by that, in the name of Jesus. And they're doing it well. They're doing it faithfully. They're doing it with integrity. And it truly is drawing people to the creator behind them. As I read your book, I I, I think to clarify here, a genius is not um, a right brain, left brain issue. It, I mean, it, um, you and I share the same passion for wanting those who have that creative spirit to be unleashed in the church. Because in our churches, there's... Um, there is not, over time, has been a, a uh, almost a repression of the arts, uh, and yet the church used to be the biggest proponent proponent of arts and expression of faith, uh, and that's part of it. But you also would take like a, a an, an accountant who you would say probably is not an artistic person, maybe, but there's a genius there too. Yeah, and I talk about in the book. I talk about eighteen different types of people. And I use the word wiring. I think a genius is a wiring. Um, and obviously, we have a genius. It's that double entendre. We have a genius, but we are genius in something. We do something really well, and I call it the divine breeze. That when you're doing it, you're not efforting. It just flows through you. And certainly, we need to work at it and develop our creative process. But um, there are things that you do naturally, Doug, that you'd say, you know, I love when you do that. Well, what do you mean? I don't even know that I'm doing something because that's how naturally it flows through you. And so some of those being, whether it's sorting information and gathering those, uh, catching good stories like my friend Simon, who does documentaries all over the world and uh, speaks of justice and equity and captures beautiful stories that I never could and puts them through film. He needs to take um, me along with him so I can document it with pictures. You can be like the camera boy, like <laughs> yeah. holding yeah. the gear. Hey, and I, <laughs> I'm in too. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Praying with the eyes. Let's go to Zambia. Oh, I love South it. Wouldn't America. that be fun? Oh, that would. Be, Let's that take this great. thing on the road. But yeah. it, it's uh, it's so fun to watch people in their native environments. There's, there's a gal named Kim who's a shopkeeper. She runs a boutique. And uh, she actually came to me when, when Staying as a New Going was published. And she said, could I sell these in my shop? Uh, and I thought, well, not exactly my target audience, um, but sure, why don't you give it a shot? Well, Kim starts selling out of them like hotcakes. So I thought. Turns out she was giving most of them away, but that's that's another story. Yeah, you mentioned that in the book, and uh, as you, you've made that subtle comment, sells and gives away. Yeah, she just to be fair, you know, full disclosure, but um, she's actually ministering to women uh, as she talks about clothes and as she talks about um, things in ways that are not salesy at all. And I've gotten to watch Kim in her zone. Not too much. I don't want to be that creeper, you know, in the women's boutique. But it's been a beautiful thing to watch her do exactly what she's wired to do. She comes back to me and says, we need to get more of your books. I've had more conversations about the gospel in five days than I've had in the last five years. And I said, Kim, it's an honor to partner with you in ministry. And so uh, I truly view her as a ministry partner in that sense. So those are the kind of stories we love to see come out. And it really is like a wiring where uh, the house is already wired and we just kind of go plug it in as opposed to the idea of just a skill of something that we just hone over time. Um, so much of genius is that divine breeze that's flowing through us. Correct me if I'm wrong, but when you're using the word genius, it's not the same thing 
as spiritual gifts. Now, let me clarify what I mean by that. Spiritual gifts are a part of a genius, but it's deeper and, and broader and, and more intertwined with that formative hand of God in our uniqueness as a, as a human being. Yeah, and, and I like to ask the question, what would happen if the spiritual gifts left the building? And I don't mean they stopped serving at Holy Cross or they stopped serving at the church that I pastor. I'm not talking about people quitting on church. I'm talking about the idea of what if each week we saw the gift of hospitality, for example, and we sort of blessed it out the door. Mm-hmm. How much could that make <laughs> right, an impact right. in homes and families and neighborhoods? And uh, what I started to realize and kind of had to repent of as a pastor is that the reality is the spiritual gifts leave the building every week. They're only in the building for a couple hours a week. And so as they leave the building to think about how we could have a vision bigger than our church, really as big as our community um, for those. So I really had to repent of some of those areas. Um, and absolutely, there, there are spiritual gifts that we see in, in Scripture, and there's you know several lists. But beyond that, there are gifts that can be spiritualized, if that makes oh, sense. Oh, absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. Kingdom absolutely. work absolutely. that can happen. This experiences that you we have that, you know, uh, that are very unique to each one of us that get wrapped around those gifts in, 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 as a part of I I think uh, I spend a lot of time trying to dissect things too much. Instead of looking at it from the 30,000-foot view and seeing, what is all this doing together? What, Maybe dissection is your genius, Doug. No, it's not. Believe me, it's <laughs> not. <laughs> that just leads to more confusion. Never mind. That's an I, ever-ending rabbit I misdiagnosed hole. that, all right? Uh, so... Um, so we have this this genius. Um, I you know I gotta be honest with you. Uh, did you struggle with the title because everyone's a genius makes makes it sound like it's going against what you just said about being a genius versus having a genius. Yeah, absolutely. I um I wanted that to be kind of a play on words. Um, and honestly, it's a pretty affirming thing to think when you pick up a book. Wow, I'm a genius. So that's the good news. The bad news is everyone is. But um, some <laughs> folks have said to me, "Well, if everyone's well, actually a, good news too. <laughs> if everyone's a genius, is no one a genius?" And um, the reality is, I want people to think. I think that a title um, should beckon you to pick up page one. And while you're reading through page one, I hope that there's something that draws you into page two. And so um, the reality of that unleashing creativity um, says that I think we put it on a leash. And so. Um, yes, you are a genius, but the reality is it's only because we come in the image of God, bearing his image, and he's a creative God, and he creates and cultivates and invites us into that as well. So um, as, as I thought about that, a little bit of a hook, uh, absolutely, the double entendre, um, but I want people to think, and I want people really to affirm one another, and we'll, we'll talk about that, but that's a big message of the book is that we live in a culture that is weakness-focused, not strength-focused, therefore leads us to shame. And uh, most of us look at somebody else's giftings and say, no, no, they're wildly gifted. And kind of the irony is that people are looking at us probably saying the same thing, because we're all gifted differently. That's where a body comes in. Going deeper, you're listening to the Praying with the Eyes podcast. Can I say, go Dodgers? Can you say go Dodgers? I don't know. Can you? I think I can. You just did, didn't you? But you can cut it too. So <laughs> you've got ultimate control. I do, you know, and I might just cut that because we are recording right now. <laughs> Doug and the slightly sovereign hand. Oh, it's so much fun. So much fun. So we talked a bit about what a genius is and that each one of us has a genius and that, that tension between being a genius and having a genius, you know, and and I love what you just said in closing about your, the title to the book and getting us to think. We're going to continue getting people to think, I hope. 
So uh, there, there's this idea of discovering your genius, uncovering it. There's stewardship of that genius. Uh, and then I see also in your book, one of the things that hit me very strongly is really the churches re- helping to release that genius. So how to go about discovering genius? Well, um, by nature, we can't see things in, in ourselves. I know there's a lot of talk today about self-awareness, and there's certainly tools that, that can help us grow. But we need other people to be a mirror for us. And when we see something in someone else that they're doing um, so well, what's interesting is that we, we assume they know they're good at it. And the reality is they might not. Somebody might think that because they have the gift of hospitality and the open life that, that that's just normal to fling your arms around someone and give somebody a hug um, who's having the worst day of their life. But that might not be normal at all. And so we need to mirror those uh, to other people. So I think um, as a church leader, I think the onus is on me, the onus is on you many times to say, wow, we get a different vantage at people's gifts. But I think to each person that looks somebody else in the whites of their eyes, there's something we can say, you're amazing at this. And I'm not talking about blowing smoke. I'm not talking about find three nice things to say, Doug, before you rip them a new one. Which like, that's you, well, not which what a lot is. of times is a lie because I'm forced in, not, not a lie lie. But we're we're saying, oh God, I've got to climb up with three things. Say three nice things about your brother. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you see an ability and you go, do you realize, Doug, how good you are at this? Do you realize how amazing you are at this? And uh, the reality is most times we don't unless we're told that. And so we we just kind of have this blindness about that. Um, And I think if we can affirm, uh, the question I like to ask is, where else can people go for free affirmation these days except for the local church? And um, with no strings attached, not because we want something, not because we're selling something, but just because I see the image of God in you. What more powerful statement can we give to one another? So I think that's that's the uncovering. I, I call people genius spies. We need to be genius spies to one another, just kind of watching um, them where they're amazing. Yeah, I, to me, that's really critical because what, what you're talking about is a posture I'm taking when I'm in, in, in church uh, or use ads. I'm I'm old. Remember, I'm I'm I, I was raised in the church culture, um, but in the community, right? That where we're gathered, we we are actually looking for um, the genius in other people, and I appreciate that. I had an opportunity recently with a young man uh, who was in my office, and we were talking. I've had a kindred spirit with this young man because I, I he's he's pretty artistic. You know, and and so we talked about that, and it was just I felt what an honor it was to affirm a gift, and yet to say to him, "You're going to have struggles," you know, with that artistic gift, you know, especially with men, because it tends to be I feel with with my artistic is that I'm much more on an emotional side than most men. I'm much more in touch with my emotions, than, and the the art the artistic piece of that um, can be appreciated by other people. But it's often at a distance, right? It's somebody correct, that sees correct. your picture on yep. the internet, sees your picture uh, through social media, that um, you know reads your book at a distance or, or your blog a long way away, um, but really doesn't kind of receive that affirmation as directly because it is hard to understand. Sometimes it's abstract uh, writing, or um, you know, for me, my medium is people, and people don't I really could, I that. really didn't know that. <laughs> I would, I, I would have guessed that immediately. <laughs> it took me a while, though. That That isn't a medium that you hang on a gallery wall or that you can get paid for. Um, and, and it wasn't easy to see in myself. And I realized that I had, I had sort of tried to experiment with different mediums 
um, realizing that my ultimate medium is people. How do I make people function well together? And that's kind of what launched me into life coaching, ministry coaching, and consulting was to realize I love when I get to see people and groups function well together and catalyzing. But unless other people help me fill in the dots, I never would have thought that that counted or that mattered. You like what I noticed about you, Alan, is you love to see people move from this spot to this spot in their life and to celebrate that. Not only love to see it, you like to celebrate celebrate that with them, that this is what they have, have, me, have become. Um, and I, I think that's an amazing gift. Although I got I to gotta ask you, okay, you wrote in the book about you went to the art store, bought a canvas and paints and painted. You got that painting still? Uh, I have a couple of the paintings initially. Here's what's crazy about it is that it was for our adoption process, and I just began to paint things about Africa so deep in me. It was kind of this longing to meet my kids, and um, we ended up adopting a six-year-old and a two-year-old, and um, people would pay me for those paintings, and um, they actually would like hang them in their, on their walls. They were half decent. Um, they would <laughs> hang them on their walls, and, and I'd walk in their house and say, those folks actually helped fund our adoption and uh, it seemed oh, like that's really almost neat. like a provisional gift that God had given yeah. me for a season. Every once in a while, I pull it out and do a little bit of painting. But um, for me, it's less about exactly what I'm doing. Uh, and it's more about the fact that I am creating. And it could be with wood. It could be with people. And I'm taking a risk to, to do something to create and cultivate. I'm a gardener as well. So I love cultivating um, soil that shouldn't be good here in Colorado and making things grow in the process, obviously, with the partnership of God. So we talked about discovering and uncovering the genius. What about um, stewardship of the genius? The moment that you say to me, you're amazing at this, now I have to deal with God on that. And so really, stewardship comes from the idea, um, the opposite of a poverty mentality or a scarcity mentality, I don't have enough. Stewardship says, I've been given more than I need. Now what do I do with it? And so how do we steward that? That gifts aren't just given so that I can enjoy taking a picture, but so that others can see God, the image of God, beauty through a lens that I am well positioned to take. So I've had to see it in that lens when I get up to write. Um, early, 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 when it's dark and cold. Because your kids aren't up? My kids, you're not nobody's. Take, you're not taking time away from them? Yeah, nobody's uh, up, and nobody's nobody's saying, hey, tomorrow is, is writing time, you need to get up. But I literally think, who does God want to activate through my writing? Not, I'm just going to get up, and this isn't just therapy for me, although I love it now, but is who might God want to impact through these words? That's a stewardship question. And in that case, I have many, many reasons to get up, not just one on Tuesday mornings. And that, for me, is how Praying with the Eyes got started in, in 2012, was um, I'm not, so I, I get really reluctant because I don't want people to get the wrong idea. I was praying one night, but it wasn't this real intense, you know, on my knees prayer. It was just conversation. Okay, and and I was working with pictures, and I was posting pictures on Facebook and stuff, and just just kind of an arrow prayer more than anything, just saying, God, I want I want to do something more with these. And uh, as I remember it, then just the thought came of doing a daily devotional, and and from that, then it is to what it is today, uh, where I don't have to do. I'm glad too. I get to share that writing, unleashing other people's genius who are writing, and let them be a part of it because it's not about me. Uh, and and um, to to see that happen, but it did come out of that. It came out of what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It, it came out. Of this. I w- I don't I don't think I would put words to saying it was the stewardship of it, 
But it, it is. It's exactly what it was. Yeah, we'd never start that way saying it, but truly, um, I've been asking people this question, what is the good life to you? And James K. A. Smith asked that in, in his brilliant book, You Are What You Love. But what is the good life? And whenever I ask people, whether it's neighbors at Free Coffee Friday, whether it's friends in my home, um, fellow pastors, what is the good life? Um, it always comes back to contribution. People are never saying, oh, if I could just consume enough, that would fill me up. We know at the core that that's not true. I mean, every single person, whether they would identify as a follower of Jesus or not, says that. And so if contribution is something that to us equals the good life, then helping people contribute, helping people understand how they can contribute is key to human flourishing. And so I think that's a conversation that can go across boards. Um, this is a conversation that is inside of the church, outside of the church. How do we contribute to something bigger than ourselves? Uh, and I think we could point the way. So do you ever find people that, that do say consuming is, uh, they won't say consuming, but the, the, you're, you're hearing them answer that question, but, they're, but it's not giving, it's more consuming. I think an immature version of that would think if I could grow up someday and get a big house and get a new boat, I'd be fine. But I think anyone that's been there for any amount of time uh, and experience that it's like man after about 20 seconds of chewing this gum i want to spit it out and get another one you yeah know? why do so why do we still do that why uh, why, why i say we because i'm using that intentionally because i find myself thinking well just if i had you know for for photography okay uh just if i had this camera or this lens you know uh, wow i could really that would really make my life Great. And I think that's human. I think that's the curse. I think that's, you know, just a mix between the things we wrestle with. We're going to have a wrestling there. So so not that it's an easy answer to that question, but right, I think right. at our core, we know that we're built to create, to cultivate, and to contribute. I, I think that's the key. I think even those who don't know Christ, because they whether they acknowledge it or not, they have a creator, you know, and that... God, I think it was Dave Ramsey who said this, but maybe I'm wrong that, that God at his heart is a, is a giver. That in, in Sounds like what Ramsey would say. Yeah, and, and, and I've thought about that, and I think, yeah, and, and there is this need to give. So for me, um, yeah, I like to get paid for some photo shots here and there because it funds my addiction. But I, 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 I give a lot of my time away. I did a photo shoot for... Um, the uh, independent center here in town. Uh, a friend of mine works for them. They didn't pay me for it. You know, it's a big event. The mayor's there. Other people and dignitaries are there. They're honoring people who've done this amazing thing to help people. You know, what a joy to use my gift that I that I feel God has given me to be able to just say here. Yeah, and I think it's it's a fine line. Everyone wants to be utilized. Nobody wants to be used. Oh, that's true. And oh, so there's good point. There's Absolutely. that fine yeah. line. Yep. Um, that's you know just a few degrees off. And so I think we need to figure that out for ourselves. Um, how do I not just feel like a puppet in, in doing this thing? Because if you do something well and people like it, they're probably going to continue to ask you to do that. Um, but yet, how could I do this actually as an expression of worship, actually as an expression of contribution, and, and as a gift to someone else? There's something very different from I want to gift you at the photo session versus 10 weekends okay, in a row, they so, expect it for all free. Right. So even when I'm getting paid, okay? And I shared this with a young man. I did a, I did one senior portrait this, this fall. And I shared this with him saying, you know, I've been praying about this. And I said, I don't know you very well because I didn't know him. I knew his mother more. 
And and I said, I don't know, but if I pray that through the pictures that I take, who God has made you to be will come through those pictures. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know. And and really, it's that's, not that's about giving the money. That's giving too. That's that's no, it's not. Yeah, not about the money. I think um, artists feel weird about charging for things. I think that every artist does because how can you put a value on beauty? Is this picture supposed to be a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars? I'm a I'm a life coach, and so depending on whether we're talking about business folks or ministry folks, church planters I work with, they might or might not be able to afford it. But the key is value. You know value when you get it. And so how do we how do we give sort of the best of who God has made us to be to somebody else? People know when they're getting value, and I've had to come back to that. Whether you ever sell anything as an artist or not, there's still a way you can approach it. Uh, almost as a pro, in the sense to say this is something God's no, I, wired. I think it is as a pro. I don't think it, it's almost. It is a, as a pro. You'd be you're very professional about it. Yeah, yeah. Money and, doesn't make something professional. Exactly. Yep. And and uh, also not charging for something doesn't make something unprofessional. That's so right. It's That's the right. way we handle exactly. a, a gift in that sense. Um, I work with a lot of you know speakers and writers, and we talk a lot about how do we know how to charge for this thing or that. Um, and ultimately, I love blessing people with. With something like content, and uh, I know you do, because I know you give your book away. You you gave your book away to people who came to the, the teachers conference at Holy Cross, and and I heard many comments from people that they number one appreciated what your your uh, breakout session, but also the gift. Well, yeah. and I think too that um you know by the way if you're listening and you want to read the book, but you're following Dave Ramsey and and you're being <laughs> a good steward of your finances, um feel free to to go to my website or in the show notes. My and why don't you share that with us? Just, share that website now, and I'll put it in the show notes yeah, as well. Yeah, you can head over to alanbriggs.net, a l a n b r i g g s dot net. Um, there's a contact field. You can email me uh, if you are reading through the book and one thing stuck out. I would love for you to let me know. Uh, it's encouraging. Writing's a vulnerable thing. You put your heart down on paper. And then this small website called Amazon just can ship it out to the world. I think one of the worst things in writing is when you don't hear. Exactly. Or you hear, oh, that was really good. No, no, which part stuck out to you? Was there one idea, one theme, one So I do want to talk about that right now. One thing that really stuck out to me, and I'm going to touch on this for a few moments, and it has a lot to do with, of course, my position and what I do, and that's releasing the genius. And what I'm talking about here is is the responsibility of the the Christian community of brothers and sisters in Christ of releasing that genius. We've hidden at it. We've talked a little bit about it, but let's spend a little more, more time about getting it out beyond the walls of the church. The, okay. At the ultimate um, paradigm of this is that it's already going to go out. The question is, do they feel the, the blessing of other people? There's a level to which we may be able to, to inspire people, but probably just a small amount the reality is how do we catch people doing what they're already doing and remind them that it counts. It counts as kingdom work. It counts as valuable ministry. And and that's really what I've kind of had to repent of. Instead of just if I could inspire them to go do this, how do I sort of catch them doing that? We've got a lot of teachers. Um, you probably do too in, in mm-hmm. your church. And teachers are laying their lives on the line, uh, and they're exhausted nine months out of the year, pouring their lives into shaping you know, 15 to 25 kids in most of our classrooms. What an incredibly noble thing. Um, how might we get a glance at that? Well, we might not be able to get into the classroom, but could they tell one story of them ministering to a kid or a family? Um, and sometimes we can capture it through video. Sometimes it, within our small groups, we can just ask, what's one way that you're doing kingdom work in your job? So it isn't so much producing new things as, as it is sometimes 
uh, affirming that what people are doing counts and they're doing it in the name of Jesus uh, and ultimately that it's showing the kingdom. What does it taste, feel, smell? Uh, and what are the tangible natures of the kingdom that maybe have become one-dimensional to us? I know that because of my job and being focused on the church, you know, that then small C here, Holy Cross, not the universal church, but just that, that little community at the corner of Constitution and Murray. Um, I, I Being a human, that it's easy for me to say, I got to protect this institution. So consciously or unconsciously, uh, promoting, well, you got to do this in the church. You got to be this in the church. And, and uh, there's good stuff that happens. In fact, it's an equipping place, right, for, for being able to use our genius out in the world. It's. I know that inside of me, I long to be that kind of a pastor that uh, will release people, and yet I fight against this. I gotta. But what? Then they won't be here to do things. They won't teach teach uh, the children. Um, be on a board, whatever you know. Yeah, and you know, Sunday's coming is the phrase that we use as pastors, yep. and the weekend's coming, and the, the pressures of that, and so we we never graduate from those pressures, but. One of the biggest faith risks we might take as as spiritual leaders is to say, you know what, this person's amazing. Maybe they don't need to run our church cafe. Maybe they need to go start a cafe in the community, and we need to affirm that. That is all over in your books, all three of them. I, I have seen that. Uh, you 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 have this way of connecting with people outside of the Christian community. And that um, wasn't always the case. I've had to work hard at that. There was a moment when I found myself saying, uh, I don't really have meaningful, ongoing relationships with people who don't know Jesus. And so I've, I really had to work to do that. Um, and I also think by the grace of God, he's put me around people uh, largely through gifting. Sports is a big one for me. I play basketball with the same guys the last six years. Um, two days a week, we'll play at lunch. And, uh, you know, I know those guys pretty well when you kind of sweat on each other and elbow each other in the face. And you, you get to know guys pretty well. I was um, noticing but, some of the marks on your face. There, yeah, man. my wife's not beating me, I promise you, okay? But thanks for the concern. It's from just uh, playing basketball with guys, and then conversation comes out. And then you get to, you know, sort of have some deeper pathways into guys' lives. And so um, that is a meta theme that runs in, in my life. And um, I absolutely believe in the local church. So nothing in this book is saying that it doesn't matter and, and that our church programs don't matter. But I just think at the end of the day, if uh, if we have to choose kingdom, we always win. And so sometimes what feels like a loss to the church is a win for the kingdom. Yeah, fear is a, is, is huge in um, why we don't reach beyond the walls, outside the walls. You're listening to the Praying with the Eyes podcast. Okay, so uh, let's, well, I want to go a little further with this idea of uh, fear and risk and so forth because uh, it's a part of your book, toward the end of your book. And it, for me, that part of the book actually brought everything together uh, for what you were talking about uh, earlier in, in the book about genius and, uh, you know, and discovering and, and uncovering and so forth. But maybe it's just because of, of um, my role. I get fearful of failure when you pastor a congregation of 600 and some people that are there on Sunday mornings and um, failure seems in, and this is, this is a lie, but it, in my brain, it seems to be even more devastating at that level. Something happens bad, you know, which we've gone through some issues with failure, but you said some really encouraging thing. And I put it out there today as I was preparing 
the one comment from your book that really resonated with me. Uh, the, uh, the only failure is the, is failing to admit failure. The, the, the failure conversation, whenever we talk about the book, it always comes up. So I'm glad we're, I'm glad we're talking about it because you can't innovate without failure. And by nature, innovation is at the knife edge of failure as you're trying something that you can't see a proof of concept. You can't see that it already exists. And so for me, uh, it's, it's fun actually to try and, and push into these things. Um, and I realize for, for a lot of folks in their wiring and gifting failure, maybe a little bit harder, but we all have areas of our lives when we're to where we're tempted to just protect. And so, um, I encourage people that if we're not risking, uh, if we're not having the potential of failure that we're not pushing into, the new limits. We're not going to make discoveries. We're not going to innovate. And we're built to grow and to learn and, and to morph. And uh, I, I just love watching God's people take risks. Um, we all know the verse that without excellence, it's impossible to please God. Oh, wait, no, it doesn't say that. No, <laughs> never mind. Without faith, yeah. you know? Uh, Hezekiah, what was that again? Yeah. <laughs> uh, first, first Alan, uh, <laughs> totally anti-biblical. But uh, it's faith. It's that, that next risk. We push into it. And so um, I like to reframe the question from, is this going to work? To should we try this? I love that in your book when you said that. Should we try this? Because there's what was your said? The only the only answer is t- to it. Um, uh, you said I can't remember exactly how you said that. You you, you had some words like if you, when you ask that question, there's an answer that comes. You'll you'll. I mean, it's the the natural progression of that question um, tells us. Okay, do we know if it's going to succeed? Of course not. We don't know if it's going to succeed. We can't predict the future. And yet, should we try it? That says, this is an obedience step. This is our next right step. So that's something that I push on a lot. I get the opportunity within our church to, to help start new things. Um, but we've got to be confronting failure um, really as a cultural lie. And I would also say as a cultural idol. You, you said, uh, that when you say, let's give it a shot, often leads to, well, that didn't work. I That's like okay. that. I really like that. Let's just yeah, talk yeah, about that yeah. up front. That, you know, if you talk to any business leader, let's talk business for a minute. I follow along with business podcasts. I love business leaders. I'm entrepreneurial. I've been described as a pastorpreneur before. And uh, <laughs> when I think about entrepreneurs, I get around them. They expect that all of their ventures aren't going to work. And they might be playing with their own dollars or they might be playing with their friends' investment dollars, but they understand that some of these will be perfectly suited to make it and won't. Which is so interesting because so many people today, and I, I'm, I don't know, I want to hesitate saying, you know, most people are not, but many people, let's just leave it at that, want the sure thing, okay? So you don't risk. Uh, you, you'll go so far. It's like, am I going to put my money in a CD or am I going to put it in some other risky investment? Well, the CD is safe, but you're, you're not gonna, it's not going to get you anywhere. Well, let's talk about finances for a second. If we're, you know, kind of in that narrative to say that we have everything we would ever need in Christ, and yet we're not taking a risk on that. And so it would be like the richest person in the world saying, oh, I don't know if I can take the risk on this one. And, you know, because I'll only get 2% more interest on this. Because if we have an abundance in Christ, we already have our identity we should be the most risking people on the planet because our identity is intact. And so really, I think we have to chase faith, risk, and failure back to identity to say, what's the worst thing that can happen? Uh, people can say bad things about you, or people can think you're not great at what you do. 
oh, if that's the worst thing, I think we're good to go. Let's give this a shot. Being a risk taker does not mean being reckless, though, does it? Exactly. No, it's uh, the the maturity of understanding. Um, what I like to say is, what's our next right step? Not what are our next twenty steps. What's my next right step? And there's still community, wise counsel. Uh, read through, reading through the proverbs with my kids right now. So we're talking about what's discernment, what's wise decision making, and um, and obviously when we lead church communities, we're deciding and deciphering for a major contingent of, of people, not just ourselves. So when it comes to me personally, uh, I was a really, really risky person. And then suddenly I get married and I have to answer <laughs> to somebody else for that risk. And if that goes poorly, then uh, somebody else will be affected. And now with four kids, I think, you know what, the risks that I took before, I'm taking different risks now. And so uh, certainly not to be reckless. I like the difference between that. Well, I liked your story for me that, that I think is a very good picture of this. And it's not even the context of the part of the book um, that I'm referencing. But the story when you jumped off of the, the cliff into the water, you had said in that the water was deep enough. You know, the, you, there was calculation in it. You weren't going to die. You said, ouch, <laughs> when yep. you hit. And then you go up back up there and this guy is frozen. And he's keeping everybody else from jumping off because he won't won't take that risk. Even though the it's the only thing that's going to happen is you're going to hurt if you land a little wrong. Yep, and you're only going to get more fear, fearful the long longer you stand at the edge. In in other words, he's got all the information that he needs to be able to either jump or to be able to scoot back and say, "No, I'm not going to I'm not going to jump. It is not worth it." But standing at the edge of the cliff for that amount of time. If there's, if there's a risk, especially in the name of ministry, in the name of Jesus, there's a risk that you want to try, man, give it a shot because you innovate as, you, as you're in the air kind of thing. You'll figure it out, and you know what? Occasionally we'll land wrong, but uh, we'll get back up, and uh, you know it might sting for a couple days. So, um, man, I love being part of risky conversations, and frankly, that's winsome. People outside the church believe that the church is not a space, place, and community to take risks in. I also believe that. We let past failures that may have been pretty hurtful keep us from taking more risk. Um, I think of some of the situations I've been through in my life where I it could have been very crippling and saying, because it was a pretty bad failure, and, and, and that doesn't work. And that's real. We have to acknowledge that. Yeah, yeah. That's not silly. That's real. But knowing that that's an impulse. Just like jumping off a cliff is not normal. There's something in us that's No, it's really built. not normal, and no. I would have been the person frozen at top. <laughs> we're actually built to not do that. We're built for equilibrium, you know, to self-protect so that we actually can stay alive. I like alive. how you said that, because I think that's true. And, and I think we spend a great deal of our time uh, trying to find equilibrium. I think that, that we, we don't like—we like adrenaline, but too much adrenaline. Yep. Yeah, it's hard to find that line. And yeah. even um, why are we doing this? Is it just for pure adrenaline or what's, what's at stake here? And so if there's really nothing at stake, we got to be careful. Yeah. Is that yeah. just my ego? But yeah. I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says, love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. And I think to realize the risk of not loving and cloistering ourselves off from the world is a much greater risk than having our heart broken. Um, I've had my heart broken. You probably have. Anyone listening to this has. And that's the reality. And yet God pieces things back together in that process. That's what he excels at doing. Alan, thank you for joining me. Oh, it's been you great know, to be we'll, with we'll, you, Doug. We'll do it again some, some other time. I love and, it. Uh, uh, we'll, we got to get Dan and Jeffrey and you and me together in one of these and just have fun. Let's and do just, it. And just uh, 
uh, talk about something or things, many things, whatever. I feel um, like we should just grab a bunch of wings, put them in the middle of the table, <laughs> that's and, and what just we should. absolutely sloppily absolutely. eat, ask yes. each other oh, trivia yes, questions, yes, yes, yes. meaningless with, a, with coffee and tea and. Uh, and and just go at it, and hopefully celebrate when the Dodgers take on the World Series. When the when the Astros win, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. You'll know by the time this. I is don't out have here. a I don't have a dog in this race, man. I don't I don't. That's just, I'm just watching good baseball. That's fun we'll to watch. See, we'll see what happens. It's good entertainment. So uh, if you want to uh, pick up uh, Alan's book, I will have a link to the Amazon uh, site for purchasing it because I know it's also in Kindle. Uh, uh, you can can get it that form. And uh, plus there's other books. I, I need to put your other books in there too. Uh, Guardrails and Stain is the, the next going. Um, uh, those are both fantastic books. Different. They're, they're, they're guardrails I found. I've got to go back and revisit Guardrails again for leadership reasons. But they're, they'll be there. Um, and I'll have uh, the link to your website if you want to get a hold of you. And, and uh, so anyway, thank you for, for tuning in to this podcast. And uh, look forward to being with you in our next podcast. Thank you for joining us today on this edition of the Praying with the Eyes podcast. We invite you to tell a friend about today's podcast by posting a link on your social media accounts. We look forward to being with you in our next episode. stop there for a second guess what I'll give a break grab some more tea there okay I need to reset the camera or we're gonna it's gonna go because these cameras I love them but they're not like video cameras that they just go on and on mm-hmm. these cameras will stop at like 20 minutes and say okay I'm done oh they they cut you off <laughs> yeah they do uh, so I just want to take a little break there good good well I like the pace and the candor this is yeah. great Oh, for me, it's just fun. It's yeah. Just, it's one of the best. I, I got to do two of these this week and cool. record two of them. And, and uh, we did, uh, since it's the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, on uh, Tuesday. Wow, is it? Yeah, the oh, 500 years since Luther nailed his 95 theses on the, uh, the Wittenberg door, which which some people claim he didn't do, but they were put, we know they were published because with because of the printing press, it, it was spread into Spain 10 days after they were written. Um, and, and it part of the reason why it was God kind of orchestrating everything at that time. But yeah, Dan and I, Dan's a, loves history. Happy so, 500th, man. Yeah, we made it. I'm, I feel it. terrible that I didn't know that. What kind of don't, don't, you 21st don't, century come on, come on. follower am I? I don't know. What kind are you? Uh, apparently not a good one. Apparently not a <laughs> historical one.